Hello and welcome to The Handoff. We are back to wrap up week two, dive into week three and break down some of the biggest stories in the NFL. It is, of course, me, Sam Farley. I'm with my regular co-host and producer, Mr. Sam Leal Green. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, That was an absolute wild week of NFL. I'm saying that for a second time to open the show, but... The comebacks, especially in the early slate of games, extraordinary. I can't wait to get stuck into, you know, some of my favourite players who performed absolutely astonishingly. Yeah, so look, I've got to warn you listeners, if you don't want to hear Sam take some sort of tour victory lap, then please, please look away now. Or take the headphones off. Well, look away, we keep listening. Before we get stuck into this, we're we're going to get into one thing straight. At Handoff NFL, that's our handle on social media. Follow us on your favorite channels. And please, for the love of God, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Music, whether that's Spotify, however you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow us. And if you feel like being extra generous, give us a little uh, review, all that sort of jazz, tell a friend, etc., etc. Um, look, let's get stuck into it. And we quite often focus with about a game from week two, but I think there are a lot of really interesting quarterbacking uh, performances. So we decided rather than to look backwards, we would look into the future. To be precise, three years in the future, we're jumping into a time machine. We're heading to September in what year? 2025. You know, what what a change then. We might have a new prime minister by then. Um, Uh, Yeah, probably everything else will be the same. Energy bills, God knows what they'll be. Um, But other than that, we're going to go through our top five QBs of 2025. Um, We'll start in the obvious place, right? I mean, we're not not being too controversial here. The top two, and in no real particular order, I think will still be Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Let's... Let's kind of throw that out uh, there Tom now. Brady down, but... <laughs> no. no. So we, we, we kind of gone three years in the future. And I think I think it's safe to assume Tom Brady probably won't be around. Some of the kind of more established guys now, your, your Russell Wilsons, your Aaron Rodgers will be a bit deeper into a decline and maybe not at the levels they've been at their best. So we're kind of looking at the guys who are coming up, going to break into that top five. And yeah, as Sam mentioned, no surprise, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen will feature in both our lists. Let's let's put them to one side. So Patrick Mahomes, anything you want to say about the guy other than that he's quite good? Uh, he's quite good. He has a very large contract. It means he'll be around forever um, at, the, at the KC Chiefs. And despite losing a couple of weapons this year, still normal service for the most part has resumed. No, no reason to fear the future for him. Now... We said we weren't going to rank these in a sort of top five because ultimately, I mean, it's a bonkers thing to be doing anyway, let alone actually putting them in some sort of order. But given that we know more about Mahomes and Allen than we do, I think the the other guys that are going to be in our respective lists, where do you guys, where do you see these guys being in t- in three years? Who will be, who will be regarded as the superior of the two talents? Do you think? I, I think that probably we'll still be at a stage where Josh Allen's physical tools in the running game will be um, edging him over Mahomes. I think Mahomes is a marginally more talented passer um, and just has has a knack, I think, for, for working well, both within the, the framework of plays and uh, when it breaks down as well. 
But right now, for me, I think Allen's legs take him over the edge in what that does uh, for the team. And I think that in three years' time, that'll still be the case. Yeah, I think you've got a, a pretty good shout there. I, I'm a Patrick Mahomes boy, um, so I will stick with him. But, I mean, they're both going to be up there. So, Sam, why don't you go through... I don't know. How do you want to do this? Do you want to go take one at a time? I mean, we, full disclosure, listeners, we don't actually know each other's lists. So we might. this might be awful. We might have three guys the exact same. Let's hope not. So uh, I don't think we will, because I don't think you'll have at least one of my guys on, on your list. I'll I'll start with my number, who I've got as my number three. Uh, the order is very rough, but I've just got a third name. Uh, so I've got Joe Burrow as my number three. I think he's set up very well for success in the future if they sort his offensive line out. And I'm. it's not been pretty the first few weeks, but I think that he is one of the most talented, accurate passers in the game, a very cerebral quarterback. And I just think that him and Jamar Chase together will kind of elevate each other. And in three years' time, they will be at the pinnacle of, of wide receiver and QB play between them. And I think that, that you couple with that, if they manage to keep hold of T Higgins, uh, that as a group of kind of, as a passing attack is going to be, is surely still going to be amongst the best in the NFL if they can find some offensive linemen. And I kind of think that's all they'll be throwing their kind of resources at. So I kind of back that to happen. Okay. Look, he's a good quarterback, very good quarterback, but the offensive line is like Emmental cheese. The head coach is, you know, I mean, up there with Nathaniel Hackett as just awful NFL coaches, I think. I think he's really bad. Um, and I do worry, Jamar Chase, I mean, you can't really say it wasn't the right draft pick given how well he performed last year and almost taking them to the Super Bowl. But should they have gone out and got that lineman that everybody said they needed in the draft that year? That's a big question, I think. Yeah, and like part of me is worried that he is going to get Andrew locked. Um and yeah, I, I, they really do need to sort it out. But given how well he's playing or and played last year in the face of the pressure, I think that I'm optimistic that he will be elevated to the point of being one of the best passes in the league if they sort it out. And yes, it is a bit of an if, but I think we are going to be dealing with ifs a lot. But in three years' time, Jamar Chase is still there. Joe Burrow is still there. I think that it's it's one of those things that I think that consistency is is kind of winning me over yeah well i'm gonna pick one now and i think you'll have this guy i i think it's pretty hard to kind of discount him from being top five in three years i think it's pretty hard to discount him from being top five right now yeah i can see on the camera you're grinning which makes me worried that you're not gonna have this guy justin herbert um put simply 75 touchdowns in two and a bit seasons, only 26 interceptions, 98.8 passer rating. This is a guy who I thought was an absolute dud when he was drafted. I, I was so glad the Chargers got him because I thought I thought he was going to be awful. And he's just proved me wrong. I think he's a phenomenal player. He's physically tough, good on his feet, good legs, and has an absolute rocket for an arm. And there's plenty of weapons around him on that offense and I think this is a guy that can elevate any talent that plays around him. I really do think he's that good, which is incredibly frustrating given that I thought he was a bust and I have to sort of, every time I even watch him play well, I 
I sort of enjoy it through gritted teeth. But you're going to tell me you don't have Justin Herbert. I don't have Justin Herbert. Not on my list. How, like, how, like, given what he's achieved in two and a bit yep. years, how can you not think he would be there in, in another two and a bit? Because he's a stat padder. He's not a winner. He's not a winner. He, he he's he's got a fantastic arm. He has great great physical tools, but intangibles, no. Just doesn't have doesn't have the doesn't have the mental capacity for the NFL. He makes too many bad decisions. So, sorry. He makes too sorry, many da- sorry, bad sorry, decisions. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He, he doesn't game. have the mental capacity for the NFL. Yeah. He makes too That's an absurd he, thing he, to say. He makes too many bad decisions. He could be Patrick Mahomes. He has all the physical tools to be Patrick Mahomes, but his his um his mistakes let him down. Uh, they lost the game because of him against the Chiefs this week. It's exact. It happens uh, all the time with him. Happened throughout college, and I don't think it's changed in the pros. So, like, do I think he'll be a top QB in three years' time? Absolutely. Top five? No. All right. Well, you're wrong there. So let's see your next one. Uh, my next. This is going south very quickly. My next one is Kyler Murray, number four. Okay. Kyler Murray is the most electrifying player in the entire NFL. Uh he can make plays that no one else can. Uh no. I mean I mean Who else who else is running sixty five yards and a two point conversion? Tell me about it. No, no one. And he's it's sorry, like is he, that, he, are we judging QBs he, on he how wins, many yards they run in a two point conversion? Now? He he wins the Super Bowl. Is this mad? He wins the Super Bowl in the next three years and will be considered one of the best QBs in the NFL in three years' time. Sorry, you think you think the Cardinals are going to win a Super Bowl in three years? Yeah, this is genuinely some of the most absurd chat I think I've heard in a long time. Look, I like Kyler Murray; he is one of the most exciting callbacks in the league. I think they've got a coaching problem there. I think they've got a potentially a culture problem. This guy plays Call of Duty more than you. <laughs> I think ultimately, I, I I don't see him being top five. He could be, but I I don't see it. I mean, you talk about a guy that lacks the intangibles, yeah, but... and then you cite Kyler Murray. <laughs> like I don't like I don't. It's an absolute load of baloney. Uh, I believe in him. Um, He's a winner. My next one, I don't know which one to go for. Oh, actually, no, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna mix it up. I was gonna go for one guy. I'm going for a guy who, like Kyler Murray, is brilliant on his feet. But unlike Kyler Murray, he can turn an average team into a very, very good one. That man is Jalen Hurts. And he will be he will be a top five QB in three years. And I, I promise you that. <sighs> Already had 23 touchdowns in his short career. 85.9 pass racing rating. Yeah, I know that's not brilliant, but he is good with his feet. And I think what you're seeing from him is a gradual improvement each and every year, 52% completion percentage in his first season, 61.3 in his second, and now he's up to 69.8. I think the guy's good. Passer rating again, let's look across those three seasons, 77.6 season one, 87.2 season two, 97.1 this season. And i tell you what, and I know, actually I know someone you're going to mention in a minute related to this guy, and we discussed this. We discussed this even when they were in college, you talk about you talk about intangibles. I don't think there's a player in the entire NFL with better intangibles than Jalen Hurts. The guy is like winning personified. He like left Alabama and went on, just put his like stamp stamp on his next team. Just did so well. This guy 
he gets it. He's a culture guy. He's a glue guy. And what I love, he improves each and every time. The more I think about it, the more of a home run hit this is. I don't see Jalen Hurts not being a top three guy. And not just in fantasy. Sorry, a top five guy. I I. I kind of I agree with you in the sense of everything that you're saying in terms of he improves every year. He's done it literally since he was at college. Every single year he's got better. And there are very few players who you can genuinely say that about. I just don't see his ceiling as a passer as being to the level of some of the other guys. But top 10? Yeah. Top 5? Maybe not. But like I, I am not going to dispute that he is very good. And I think, especially going into this season... I think he got passed off as a guy who is going to make your fantasy team good, but not actually the Eagles good. But he's proving, I think, people wrong about that so far this year, now that they've given him someone who can catch a football. Go on, finish us off with Tua. I could I could tell you, Diane, too. What, I mean, what more can I say other than just look at what he managed to do against the Ravens, against a top, top defence. He absolutely shredded them. And yes, he has got weapons, but those weapons are also tied down with him for the next while. So he's going to have them for the next three years. Like The guy is an absolute stud. And I think that now that you're seeing him finally in a system that works, I believe in Mike McDaniels as well. You talk about the system, the protection is there, the weapons are there, everything is there for him to succeed. And he is now elevating it past that. He was the person who who ran that comeback. I know Tyreek Hill beat some players in the secondary, but it was on tour and tour delivered. And it was the the nuances of it as well. He was playing the the balls that he threw for touchdowns. He wasn't gambling. It wasn't some erratic gunslinger performance. It was calculated and it was calm and it was collected. They weren't going to lose the game off of his back either. He was keeping them in the, in the game, playing one step at a time. I think that showed a level of maturity that other QBs don't have. And I think that will become evident going forward that he is a top, top QB in this league. And by 2025, he will be top five. Now, Guy... Where, where do you think I'm going to go with my final guy? I think you're going Homer as well. I think you've got T-Law. It's Trevor Lawrence. He's <laughs> top five in 2025. 20, <laughs> um, I spoke about this last week, I think, about just how impressed I was in week one. And week two, even better. I, I like The best I've seen him play, I'd go as far as to say. Just some some phenomenal passes. There was one that he just threw downfield to a Jamal Agnew, really tight coverage. I mean, Agnew kind of let it through his fingers, which says more about Agnew than it does Lawrence, but just so good. And he kind of, I'd say the, that first year, I mean, there was so much going on there with Urban Meyer and, and everything else that I think you kind of got to give him a bit of a pass. But that first year, there were moments where you saw this incredible QB and other moments where he was showed his immaturity, trying, trying to thread the needle a bit too much, throwing some stupid balls. But this, these past two games, he looks calm. He looks assured. He looks incredibly confident and assured in his place on the field and his place within the team, within the unit, Uh, just some hugely impressive stuff. And he looks like, obviously kind of having to manage that lead against the Colts. He added sort of the, almost the game manager kind of aspect to his performance that we haven't really seen because generally the Jags are losing heavily. So he's he's a gunslinger who has the ability to manage a game. And I think as this offensive line and as this team builds around him over the next couple of years, 
I think you're looking at a guy who is going to be amongst the very best in the league. So for me, Tra- Trevor Lawrence, top five, has to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love him. I think that he's he's great. There's a re- he, he was the best QB prospect since since Andrew Luck, um, and so I think that uh, yeah, like he he absolutely has a chance of being top five. And he was he was near the list for me because I kind of extended my list down a bit, and he was he was number six uh, with Herbert at seven, and then. I guess Hertz would be after those guys for me. Also, I think there's someone who we haven't mentioned who probably some people are a bit surprised about because he's kind of up there right now. But Lamar Jackson, for me, in three years' time, maybe isn't outputting the same amount of rushing yards as is what is making him a game-changer right now. And I'm not entirely confident in him or the Ravens to transition to him being a pocket passer. Um, I still think he'll be successful, um, but it is the ability to run for a thousand yards a game, which makes him a thousand yards a game, a thousand yards a season, which really sets him apart. I'm not sure in three years time, if he still has that to be quite honest. Yeah. So for me, Lamar's my favorite quarterback in the NFL. And he's the guy I would say, unlike Murray is the most exciting QB in the league, but I do worry about his likelihood of injury. I think that is something you do need to consider. And I think there's, there is a real chance we see him kind of with a serious, serious injury at some point. So that's got to be taken to, into account. And I do think to, I guess to mitigate that, I think it's almost certain they are going to look to kind of turn him into this more pocket passing guy. And I do think he's going to be good at that. He's going to be a top 10 guy for sure. Will he be top five? Yeah. I don't really no where is, where is it? I, I, where is, I was going to say because you say maybe it's a bit hypocritical than me saying Alan's going to be good but I think Alan is good Alan's top five regardless of if he has his legs or not like he could he could be sta- a statue yeah. in the pocket and I think he'd still be a top five guy all right one final question which QB drafted in the past two years and I'm not going to allow you to have Trevor Lawrence for this one okay. do you think will will be the best to me it's between Mac and it's between Mac and Fields. I think those two are the best outside. I mean, yeah, last two years outside of Lawrence, I think those two are the best. I had Fields a lot higher than almost anyone coming out of, of college. I had him fairly close to, to Lawrence and definitely the number two guy for me. Yeah, I just I just think that um, I kind of trust more the Patriots will find something useful for Mac than the Bears will find for Fields. What I'm going to throw somebody else out there. Yep. That we've not even mentioned. Yeah. Davis Mills. I I I I really like Davis Mills and I don't think he's going to be I don't think he's ever going to be a franchise guy, but I could see this guy being like a Case Keenum sort of fella who just hangs around the league, game managing situations, never really becoming a top top player at any team. And just has a really long career. I think Sunday, though, showed his shortcomings, really. I know the Texans' weapons aren't the best, but they were absolutely abysmal on offense. And I think that I don't see a case for Mills actively elevating his offense. I think that, at best, he'll be someone who can get who can use his weapons and kind of pot spread the ball about. But as someone who really you game plan for as a defense, I, I don't see it. Whereas I think someone like Mac Jones, for example, has 
just a little bit extra about him just in the in the way he plays and the way he breaks down a game can break down a defense even though uh, and because uh, he's very good with the intermediate balls i think that he can he can worry a defense a little bit whereas um as well as doing all the distribution stuff that mills can do but mills just doesn't wow me okay well if you are kind of interested in joining this debate please let us know at handoff nfl please give us your opinions who you think is uh right out of myself and sam but let's get stuck now into winners and losers we're going to give you two winners two losers for the week and uh sam why don't you start with let's start with your winners yeah okay so they were a loser last week for me but a winner is broncos country for and i'm not talking about the team (laughs) i'm talking about the crowd the crowd who realized how terrible their team is they need to actively count down the the game clock so that the offense would know when to actually snap the ball i don't think i've ever seen that in football before at any level i don't think i've ever seen a crowd kind of turn against their offense like in such a spectacular way and an offense being mismanaged in such a basic way that a crowd have felt the need to do it and I can absolutely understand after all the hype, after all the chat, how disappointing it must be to be a Broncos fan right now because you're just not seeing it at all. The talent should be there. There's just something wrong with the Broncos. Is it Russ? Is it Hackett? Is it both? I don't know. But there's something wrong with there. But the crowd turning a bad situation into a comical one. Broncos country, you are a winner this week. I like that a lot. I think the Broncos are in deep trouble. Nathaniel Hackett, I've never seen somebody in any sport lose the home fans two games into a season. No. Like it's it's staggering. And I, I think I think he might even give Urban Urban Meyer a run for his money when it comes to being sacked early in the season. So not good time if your surname's Hackett. Who else you got as a winner there, Sam? Uh I mean, the big winner of the week. I don't think I've ever seen anyone this happy on a football pitch before, but it's Jimmy G. He couldn't have looked happier to see the state of Trey Lance's ankle, could he? He was beaming. (laughs) He was absolutely beaming. He's trying not to smile at it, but as soon as he realised he was playing, he was like, oh, here is money for me. Because I don't think he cares at this point about playing for the Niners. I think he just wants to make money. And he gets um, and can earn if they win a bunch of games, could earn somewhere in the region of eighteen million this year, as opposed to the the six or seven in his base deal. And he is loving it. <laughs> so yeah, Jimmy G, absolute winner, getting paid. One thing that did strike me whilst I was in despair about all my DFS lineups being ruined for the year was how. You know, we're used to watching the Premier League, watching kind of rugby, and whenever there's a bad injury, they always cut away and they're like, "We we don't want to see that. You don't want to see that." But on Red Zone, Scott Hansen was very much like, <laughs> "We'll get a better look. We'll get a better look. We get we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get another we'll angle. We'll get another angle. We'll find the angle." Yeah. Oh oh oh. Yes yes. He's out for the season. <laughs> like uh, they, they were as well. Like just pops up on the screen later. And I know this is I know this is just how it's done. So you can't really complain. But when they're like. Trey Lance questionable to return leg injury. His bloody leg was pointing the <laughs> wrong way. Like, what, what do you? 
it's like picking someone up off a battlefield and just be like, oh, their arms are a bit of an arm injury. <laughs> and the arm's actually 20 foot down down the other side of the field because it got blown off by a bomb. Um, anyway, that's enough about IEDs. I'm going to give you <laughs> my two winners of the week. And first and foremost, I, first of all, I don't know if this is genius or a mistake that I'm reading far too much into. Did you see Jalen Durden's sweep for the Bucks? No. Basically, it was it was bizarre. So Brady is there, and he's like, what, like just keeps looking around at Durden, and like he's sort of you could see he's saying like hurry up, hurry up, and then after like about two three seconds, Fanet, who's obviously lined up just to the right of Brady, then starts looking at Durden as well, and they're both like gesticulating for him to do something, and then they snap the ball, and Durden runs the sweep, and he he gains like I don't know three four yards or something, and I can't work out if it was expertly planned like fake play a uh, trick play or or if it was a total like mistake and this guy's <laughs> never going to see the field for the bucks again but i think we'll find out uh in, in the week when they when they play again but it's just a bizarre thing really interesting though and um i quite liked it I, I, i'm leaning towards it being designed because brady wasn't didn't look like he was totally losing his rag like he otherwise might and he was was smashing the um the iPad or whatever it was yeah. a bit later on in the game. I, I know that the Patriots they've obviously they've run a few plays with uh direct snaps where Brady's been yeah. like shouting at someone as the as the ball's been snapped. So they run like a direct snap to I mean it was someone like James White usually who safe pair of hands. Um they've done that a few times. So it it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it was choreographed. Well my second winner of the week and this guy, a lot of people probably surprised to think that he's a winner of the week. It's Adam Gase, former Miami Dolphins head coach. And now you're wondering what what's a guy who's been out of the league a couple of years? How is he winner of the week? Well, what if I told you this? Adam Gase, Doug Marone, and Freddie Kitchens all have better winning percentages than Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. And yes, yes, listeners, this is a way for me to shoehorn in three losers and only have one winner. Zach Taylor is a shambles of a coach. I mean, this fella, you got Joe Burrow there, and he's absolutely wasting him. It's a disgrace. Um, Zach Taylor is absolutely awful and you know needs to be replaced pronto. So, all right, that's that covered. Let's move on to losers now, Sam. Who who have you got for us in the loser category? I think you're slightly too harsh there, but um my my losers of the week are number one. Sticking with the Bengals, actually, got Lel Collins because apparently he was the one teaching Michael Parsons how to get upfield and rush the passer and then has to play Michael Parsons and cannot block him for Toffee. It was just such a... I mean, he was trying to be a good teammate last year, but come on, keep a few tricks yourself. Like You can't teach someone how to do something and get embarrassed by them on national TV. That was it. Was not a pretty performance from from anyone on the Bengals' offensive line, but especially Lyle Collins. And number two, Brownie the Elf. First of all, what the hell? No. What is that atrocity? I think I think you know. I think that is a perfect symbol of of the Browns, and it's just going to be there, remind you of how much of a joke franchise they are. And I hope that Brownie the Elf is a curse for them. I hope that as long as he's on the field, they don't win a game. How'd you lose to the Jets? When you lay down by like two scores, how'd you lose to the Jets? Nah, cursed. First and foremost, Brownie the Elf 
far better than like just a, a helmet. <laughs> and yeah, also, right. secondly, Brown and the Elf actually looks like you if you didn't wear hoodies all the time. So, listeners, if you're wondering, <laughs> that's that's what Sam producer Sam looks like. Um, right, I'm gonna give you two losers of the week. One is Nick Chubb, three touchdowns, correct. Probably won some people their fantasy matchups. But he, even in his own words, cost the Browns that win by going for the touchdown as opposed to just kneeling it out and they could ice the game. So, I mean, simple one there, Nick Chubb loser. The second one is PFF. Um, PFF is a fantastic uh, website. They are give some of the best analysis on football on the planet. They're brilliant. However... Against the Dolphins, Lamar Jackson was graded with a 66.4 grade. What? Which is, uh, I, I don't know what metrics have sort of have forced this to happen, but he's basically been, been robbed by the matrix that has, has taken advantage. Oh, I can see you're checking this out now, aren't well, you? Well, I, I want to see his stat line. Like He's been utterly robbed, Sam. He's been utterly robbed. But he, he had a good performance, but... You know, it's one that the analytics, um, it's just a proof that analytics don't always work because sometimes they can't take into account other things. And Lamar Jackson had a good game, in my humble opinion. I think it's now time for our bargain bin. Uh, This is our regular daily fantasy uh, betting section where we try and assemble a roster for 10k less than the budget which is 40k and with a maximum of 7k per player uh last week i managed to actually take home another win meaning i'm now tuning up against you farley um an mvp for you you went for johan dotson uh cost you 4.2 and banked you 17.9 points which was nearly a third of all your points um you mm. got a total of 66.54 and were harmed by Tyrion davis price um the rookie for the niners i think he got injured actually on the day he did and then only put up 3.3 and DJ Chark going missing in what was otherwise a route, a kind of a, a scoring route for the Lions, getting zero points despite you paying 5.1 for him. Then for me, uh, I went with the other um, Niners running back who actually got work. So I got Jeff Wilson gave me 12.3 out of 5.1. And then my kind of budget receivers of Greg Dortch and Jacoby Myers cost me 3.5 and 4.4 respectively, and netted me 15.5 and 18.5 respectively. Guiding me, guiding me to a tasty win by about 20 points. I got uh, 86 points. And both of us used every inch of our budget as well. So both of our budgets used with 40. Um, do you want to tell me your team first this week, Farley? All right, c- quarterback. I'm going to go for, of the Atlanta Falcons, Marcus Mariota, 5.5K in Seattle. Uh, I think he's good with his feet. Obviously, he's good with his feet. Nice little dual threat guy, and the Seahawks. I don't think are particularly good, so it's it's not really a not really a big one for me. Well, I think we did this. Yeah, we got exactly the same situation, same game, different player. I've got Geno Smith, um, who is the most budget of all the starting quarterbacks, costing me a mere five k. And there is a reason I'll be selecting. I selected him, but it will come later on. Right. 
who are do you want to go for running backs first or do you want me to do my running backs first give me your running back sir okay i have got raheem mustart uh he seemed to get a larger percent of the rushing downs against uh the ravens he has a tough matchup but only cost me uh 4.5 so i am kind of willing to take a bit of a gamble there and then my second running back, I've gone cheap with running back, so my budget's being used elsewhere. I've got Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, they are matched up against Indy, and I just think that I think he might get used. I think they, they kind of use whoever, whenever. And I'll be honest, I kind of I didn't want to pay a fortune for a running back this week in, in this one. I, I liked the receivers I had, so I, I kind of made the decisions to go a bit cheap here. 4.3 for a running back is very cheap. Um, so yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, 4.3. Okay. Uh, I've gone for my boy Damian Pierce. Uh, 5K against the Bears in Chicago. He dominated the snap count um, and dominated the carries uh, against Rex Burkhead last week. So I think just in volume alone, he's probably a smart play. He's 5,000. And my other running back is 5,000 as well. That is Jerick McKinnon of the Chiefs. So I've gone for a Chief as well. He actually played more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, this past week. He was on the field for more. And I think that gives you a good opportunity against Indianapolis, who didn't really do a great job against the run with the Jags. So I think that's a, a nice one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through my receivers then. First and foremost, one of the reasons I picked Mariota is I wanted a stack and I've now got my stack with a very, very expensive player. 5.8 K my most expensive player on, of the team, Drake London against Seattle. He was brilliant last week, getting all the volume. And I think he already looks like the best uh, receiver to come out of this class. Looks Really, really uh, your face. Garrett Wilson will say looks, a word. No, no. Looks really, really good. Um, as much as I like Wilson, I think Drake London looks just different gravy. You mean he's six foot My, four? <laughs> yes. And speaking of very tall receivers to come out of this class, I'm going to go for Traylon Burks as my second choice. 4.9K against the Raiders. Um, my only player that is actually playing on their home field this week really impressed me when he's been on the field. Um he looks like he really could have it all. It might take a little while to kind of gel and get all the cohesion with the rest of his team. But I think when it clicks for him, he is going to be a monster. And I'm expecting a monster game at some point, probably quite soon. And my third one is a guy that I think on volume alone is is quite a good pick, especially at $4,000. And that is Nico Collins of the Texans. Just a really solid sort of second receiver. He's a sophomore, obviously, for the Texans. And they're playing the Bears. So I think it's another... Another nice little cheap player there just to kind of get get them in. How about you, Sam? Who are your three? I have gone for two guys who haven't let me down so far. I've gone for Greg Dortch and Jacoby Myers again. Uh, Greg Dortch is now costing me quite a bit more. Uh, he was uh, 3.5 last week, is now 4.3 this week. And he just seems to get targets in that offense. Um, and they've got a decent matchup uh, against the Rams, who have been leaking points kind of everywhere. So I, I kind of fancied it. And then I've got Jacoby Myers again, costing me again uh, 0.6 more against the Ravens who were gashed in the passing game. And they're just two guys who seem to catch a lot of balls. And I think that even for their, for their relatively low prices, I think they just 
yeah, they, their volume plays, really. And then my other receiver, I've gone for Curtis Samuel, who seems to be someone who actually, despite them having Scary Terry and Jahan Dotson, the offense seems to really have a spot for, for Curtis Samuel. They seem to go to him in, in a lot of key moments. He seems to be a playmaker they like to use. They have a lot of weapons, but he seems to have an emphasis and they, he seems to have plays designed for him each and every week. So hoping a few of them come off for, for long gains. And yeah, so that's who I've got. Okay, so now on to tight ends. Do you want to take tight ends first or shall I take tight ends first? Uh, I'll let you take tight ends first, Sam. Okay, so my tight end, I have gone for Irv Smith Jr. He cost me 3.1K. Now, I think that he he picked up a touchdown uh, this week and I feel like the Vikings will bounce back a little bit against Detroit. Detroit have been fairly leaky in the past game, so I think that there's every chance he scores a touchdown. And I think when you pick a tight end, that's all you really hope for, isn't it? You're just wanting someone who you think will bag a touchdown that week. Uh, what about you? What have you gone for? My tight end, 3.7K, away at the Chargers. Evan Engram, I think he got loads of targets this past week. And I do think he's a guy that, you know, could could become a big outlet for uh, Trevor Lawrence going forward. My flex play is four grand. It's all I had left. And it was a toss-up between two guys in the same matchup. I could have had Devante Parker, but instead I've taken a bit of a gamble. He might miss the game with a concussion. We just don't know. Devin Duvernay. Um, looked really impressive so far. Second option on that, or well, third option, I suppose, if you include Mike, uh, Mark Andrews on that Ravens offense. And they're good offense. And I want a little bit of a part of that. So Devin Duvernay, 4K, lovely jubbly. Who have you gone for flex? What, and what well, position? Well, I've gone for a receiver. And you, you might have noticed I haven't spent a lot of money so far. So I've gone for, for a friend for Geno Smith. I've got DK Metcalf. Which, you know, not particularly budget, but I think that he just might just might have a bit of a boom this week. No real reason. I just feel like it could be a DK week. Um, so yeah, I've got him against the Falcons. Um and they're gonna have to throw him balls eventually. They haven't really been targeting him. Surely they're gonna have to. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at there. He's due a big week. Um, let's hope so, because I've got him in my fantasy team. And just to round off, who have you gone for as your defense and special teams? DK Metcalf was 6.1K, but my defense this week are the Raiders. They are playing against the Tennessee Titans, who have not been good so far. So cue Derek Henry to run all over them this weekend. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that is probably a fair point. Uh, My defense, I'm going to go for the Texans. Playing Chicago, my third, my third Texan of the, uh, the DFS, which is, let's be honest, probably a bad thing. Um, but they're two point six k. I really don't think the Bears' offense is all that. They're not getting the ball to Mooney. Justin Fields still hasn't really shown me what I thought he would have as a pro. Um, quite happy with them. I think that's a, a good one. So yeah, that that gives you a total of exactly forty. I am actually on the thirty nine point nine, so could have found a little bit of extra value somewhere. But I liked my guys; I wanted to stick with them. I mean, let's see if you can get your first win of the of the segment. Yeah, let's hope so. It's uh, it's not been a good start for me, really, has it? But guys, we have enjoyed chatting as always. We will be back next week, but 
please reach out to us on socials at handoffnfl like and follow subscribe all that jazz on your favorite podcast platforms and we'll be back very very soon with guests too we'll see you soon see you guys